Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, the comedy politics podcast that asks the questions other news outlets won't, uh, which is pretty easy at the moment as it's almost anything from uh, why didn't the government respond to this crisis sooner all the way to why can't you buy flour anywhere? Does the virus very specifically affect or transmit through flour? Has the Prime Minister needed all the flour to absorb it into his doughy matter for survival? You know, questions like that. I'm Tiernan Duyeb and as a government scientific advisor says that the UK could be the country worst affected by coronavirus in Europe, I just want to say, see, told you so EU, who needs you for the kind of top table results we can only achieve as a sovereign nation? I know this is a partly comedy show, uh, but there is no getting around it. Things are pretty bleak right now. At the time of recording this, there have been over 11,000 deaths in the UK from COVID-19 that we know of. Um, And that number includes many health workers, care workers, so many other key people who have been at the front line of tackling this crisis with none of the protective gear or support that they need uh, and doing their best despite 10 years of cuts to the systems and services they work, um, depleting them of staff, supplies or structures that would have eased the strain of coping with this. Yep. According to most news outlets, that is not the most important thing that we need to know about right now. Instead, it is most important that the Prime Minister, a man who straddles being both tortoise and hare in approach and appearance, Boris Johnson, has been discharged from hospital and will continue his recovery from the coronavirus at his country house in Chequers, because it seems there are no lengths too far when it comes to rich people finding excuses to dodge the lockdown and stay in their holiday home. Johnson has been watching films such as With Nell and I and Lord of the Rings in his recovery, one film about a pompous self-attention-seeking performer and the other about people being corrupted by power. Less relaxing escapism for him and more an alternative to looking in the mirror. It seems that while Johnson was in the ICU, his aides were told his survival chances were only 50-50, a very different story to the one repeatedly given by Number 10 spokespeople that said that Johnson was always in good spirits. It was said as he went into hospital. Oh, he's in good spirits. Then it was as he was in the ICU. Yes, the Prime Minister is in good spirits. During recovery, barely able to walk, the Prime Minister is in good spirits. 
Was this a code for how he'd been drinking all the hand sanitizer again? Or was it that he was bathing in the souls of everyone that he'd taken a hospital bed from due to his abject carelessness and gung-ho idiocy from the very beginning of this crisis? But of course, we can't question these things, as it's obvious that Johnson only survived because he's some sort of hero of our times that will rise to the pandemic by personally repopulating the country once this is done. Like a Genghis Khan of the modern day, if Khan had somehow created an empire through complete inaction and just a reliance that his people were as thick as mince and would believe anything if he said it enough. This theory, of course, explains why Johnson said in his post-hospital Twitter video that the NHS is powered by love. There was a pause after he said it as though he had to hold himself back from saying, and we all know money can't buy you love. Again, he did all that in a full suit for no discernible reason, when on so many occasions he's been happy for us to see him in his trackies like a collapsed jumble sale. Yet after leaving intensive care, he's now in a full jacket, shirt and tie like he's always been on the job. Baffling. But then maybe he wasn't actually wearing any clothes and we've all just gaslit ourselves into not being able to see it anymore. The Prime Minister thanked the two nurses that watched over him for 48 hours to make sure he kept breathing, including Luis from Portugal, who wouldn't have qualified to be allowed entry into the UK under the new immigration laws that were unveiled last week. While it would be cruel to almost wish those laws had been brought in earlier for that reason alone, you do wonder if singling out Lewis by name, that was merely a nod to the Home Office of who to deport first when it comes to it, as we can't have anyone left in the country who's seen the PM in anything other than full suit and good spirits. That's how we'll fix this, right? You know, named shout-outs in a video. Or as Home Secretary of the Woman Whose Spirit Animal is Joffrey Baratheon, Pretty Patel, gave in her first appearance in months at Saturday's press briefing, thoughts, prayers and heartfelt condolences. A comment that we know she didn't mean, as she rarely seems to have any of the former, let alone be capable of the latter. And as for prayers, I'm certain she's more into appeasing gods via human sacrifice. Hence why, when Patel was asked to apologise to NHS workers for their lack of personal protective equipment, her only reply was, I'm sorry that people feel that way. Which sounds callous, but coming from the Home Secretary, that is probably the closest she gets to emotions, feeling sad that others have them, knowing that we could all get through this crisis much quicker if we were dead inside and stopped caring. Business Secretary and British Hank Hill, Alok Sharma, similarly said in response to pretty much the same question that he too was sorry if people feel they haven't had the right equipment. I'm sure he genuinely is too. Sharma and Patel are no doubt completely grief-stricken at health workers having incorrect feelings about this. They couldn't be more distressed that those on the front line are unable to understand their lack of access to PPE when they should realise it's that they don't deserve it because they might not use it properly and ruin it by, you know, wearing it or breathing into it. They're so sorry that these people aren't just grateful for having bin bags to wear because if anything, they're denying the waste disposal receptacle of the PPE that it needs. It's as the health secretary and hair glued to a crash test dummy Matt Hancock said, everyone needs to treat PPE like the precious resource it is, and so maybe, instead of using it, all frontline staff should know their place and just pop it in a trophy cabinet for them all to look at while coughing to death. You have to remember that none of this is the government's fault at all. They are trying to get personal protective equipment to frontline NHS workers, but as Matt Hancock said, it's a Herculean effort probably because the possibility of it happening before the end of the pandemic is the stuff of myths. The government are following the science when it comes to testing at airports, they say, which is why they aren't doing any. They're following the science when it comes to advising people in general to wear masks when outside, which is why they aren't suggesting anyone does it. Which science are they following, you might ask, and are they missing most of it by being at least two metres behind it at all times while they do? 
Is it the same science that Priti Patel used to determine that the UK have carried out 300,034, 974,000 tests so far? So many tests that it defies actual numbers. Is that why the government can't accurately give the figures of the number of health workers who've died? Because it transcends any mathematics we might understand. How would they break it to the public that Numpty 12 and Flevdy 1007 have fallen ill so far? Is that why Priti Patel hasn't attended any select committee meetings for months on end, failing to give evidence to MPs on coronavirus or other security issues because maybe she operates outside of the time and space dimensions that we mere mortals understand? Is that why the new immigration policies that she brought out last week will largely stop any frontline medical staff from coming to the UK for work as they won't achieve the 70 points needed? Because we don't truly understand how it really works and maybe some of them will have 50 points and 4,404 and sock at the same time, which somehow makes it okay. That must be why we're just not getting these answers. It's not the government's fault, you understand. They are trying and if anything... It's all our fault for going out and doing things when the government didn't tell us not to for weeks on end. It's all those people's faults for going to the big racing events or music concerts or things that they'd paid money for and weren't cancelled because the government didn't say they should be so they couldn't afford not to go ahead. It's all our fault that so many millions of people are trying to work out whether they can afford to pay rent or eat food, forgetting that actually if they didn't pay rent their landlord might come round and visit and then they could eat them and it would be absolutely weeks before anyone would be able to check. It's all our fault that the coronavirus has spread because we were all selfish and we didn't think of the economy when we went around with our weak immune systems like stupid humans. You know, the poor, poor economy that we'll have to think of when this is all over and not be selfish and try to mourn our loved ones when we're all having to work every hour of the day to pay off the extra £10,000 each MP has got for additional office costs. Yes, it is for their staff and setting up networks so they can work from home because we all know when you've likely caught coronavirus from the Prime Minister dishing it about Parliament, the only way you'll get a BT engineer is for danger money. The Chancellor and all donkey from Shrek's used hair moose, Rishi Sunak, said all the money lent during this time will have to be paid back. You know, apart from all the instant cash the Bank of England has just given the Treasury that they could have done during austerity, but that would have just allowed the public to be reckless and eat properly or pay the bills or something awful like that. It's all the fault of the foreign doctors in the UK who are unable to help the NHS due to red tape and immigration policies because if they really wanted to help they'd have just not been foreign or not come here in the first place and kept their goodwill caring nature and medical expertise to themselves. It's the fault of the hospital in Gwent, Wales and their A&E department that they're struggling because half their team is off sick with COVID-19 because if they'd only worked while holding their breath and not using their hands at all for every 48-hour shift they did, it'd have been fine. It's the fault of everyone who can't get a coronavirus test that they aren't collapsed pudding Michael Gove or his daughter because if they weren't so fussy and they were just either of those two people they could totally have one just like that as soon as they wanted it. It's not the fault of the housing secretary and embodiment of Foxton's in one person Robert Jenricks that he travelled both to his parents home over 40 miles away and then to his country home in Hertfordshire that he claims over £100,000 of expenses for. No, you might think that breaks all the lockdown rules, but that's our fault for not understanding that obviously the main qualification for the housing secretary in this government is to have lots of houses and then just check on them at all times. This is why the new Labour leader and blank canvas of a man, Keir Starmer, has said now is not the time to ask the government tough questions about the way they've handled this crisis. See, that's the opposition leadership we've been calling for. One who sees that the best way to challenge a government who's been too slow to react is to prove that you're even slower to react. Yeah, take that, Tories. None of this demanding a pay rise for nurses. No, Starmer has taken on the Conservatives on their own turf of hollow gestures and backed health staff getting medals. 
Yes, champion. Why give them more money to survive on when they can have a lump of metal that'll just add to all the things they don't have correct disinfectant for, thanks to low supplies? I mean, when even a Conservative MP and a man who in every photo he's had taken appears to be practising for his Ed Fringe show poster, Robert Halfen, when even he is calling for an inquiry into the government's handling of things once we're through it all, then the only way to oppose that is to not call for any inquiry into anything and assume it's all fine. And that's what Starmer's done like a proper leader. It's this sort of opposition that makes you understand why, in the further expansion of the Shadow Ministerial team, he gave Shadow Minister for Social Care to the woman on your street who lets off fireworks for the NHS on a Thursday while having private health care, Liz Kendall. A woman most well known for posing with large military vehicles, so it makes sense to have her back on the team as Labour morally tank. Starmer also appointed roles to Lego figure Wes Streeting and Lamprey Fish Jess Phillips, which is a smart move as the only thing those two like about the party is themselves, so if they're featured in it they might actually campaign properly at the next election. Just days after these appointments were made, an 860-page internal report was leaked, looking into the Labour Party handling of cases of anti-Semitism, listing in great detail, occasion after occasion, where party staffers delayed cases to make things look worse for then-leader and always pinecone Jeremy Corbyn. There are many examples of racism from these staffers and certain MPs towards other party ministers. Lots of examples of them being disappointed that Labour did well in 2017 despite their best efforts and of giving stories to former deputy leader and oh my god what happened to Dexter from Dexter's lab, Tom Watson. The glee that many of them involved seem to express at Labour not doing well in 2019 makes it seem like they've largely misunderstood just who they were meant to be in opposition to. Labour's lawyers have intervened and stopped this report from getting sent to the Equality and Human Rights Commission as part of their investigation into anti-Semitism in the party, because it clashes with the statements of whistleblowers who've already submitted evidence. And as we know, in all important legal cases, you should only hear one side of the argument and then leave it at that. Many commentators have said that this report shows that both sides are awful, and they're right, as the centre-right staffers were awful for this anti-party bullying attitude, and those trying to actually win elections were total bastards for not just giving up and letting trouser-press-made human Owen Smith turn the party into one for people who willingly paint their homes grey. Starmer has said there will be an investigation into the internal report and then hopefully there'll be an internal investigation into that and then another into that and eventually they'll just disappear inside themselves and cease to exist entirely. I'm starting to wonder just what Keir Starmer meant by saying he was now willing to work with the government. I would ask, but I'm guessing now is not the right time. As Foreign Secretary, Acting Prime Minister and personification of that feeling you have when there's an itch deep in your sinuses, Dominic Raab said with all the compassion of a broken stove, don't expect changes to the UK lockdown this week. A phrase that we'll likely remember in five or six years time when we'll laugh about how we assumed it would only be three to four more weeks at the most. It will likely be removed slowly, the lockdown, with certain restrictions relaxed at first, you know, so Robert Jenricks can get his essential exercise walking around his many homes. The death toll will likely continue to rise. Tests won't happen. Services will be under horrific strain. All while this happens, remember that we could have taken signs from Italy and advice from Germany, New Zealand, or, you know, some of those non-white countries that we ignore and have dealt with it really well, but know that acknowledging it would puncture supremacist illusions. And let's face it, we've lost enough already, what with the economy and... um sure there's something else. No, no, that must be it. It's the, econ- the economy's uh, in a state, so that's the worst thing that's happened. We could have taken donations of ventilators from the German army, but what if they'd have made everyone breathe German? And isn't that where germs come from? Hence the name. 
Maybe we could question how years of underfunding in not just the NHS, but also social care, policing, housing and the government department that was in charge of the public service broadcasting and informing the public uh, and then got completely dismantled. And therefore, the government just got in charge of spending £400 million on Brexit advertising that have had nothing to inform people about the pandemic, to name but a few, uh, has led to everything not being ready for this when it should have been. Or maybe we could ask how much has been spent on defence instead of healthcare, on selling weapons instead of providing people with financial security and enough food to eat. But we won't ask those things because instead we'll deal with this in the British way. Like British people, and that means largely dying and then blaming foreigners and poor people for it for years and years to come. Herd immunity because they see us as a herd. And you might not agree with that or think that's what's happening. And if that's the case, then let me just say... I'm sorry that you feel like that. Hey you, uh, how are you getting on in this forever time of Sundays? Uh, I hope you had a good bank holiday weekend, if that is still a thing. I mean, the last four weeks have sort of been bank holiday weekends, uh, you know, basically. Um, unless you're self-employed, uh, in which case just bank holiday weekends that don't pay and I guess there was a weird comfort that I had knowing everyone else was also not appreciating the bank holiday just like uh, me for once which was nice uh, sorry for a slightly darker intro than usual but it felt uh, very necessary um, I mean bleak old times in it and uh, you know but it's okay that is pretty much it for this week's episode um, in terms of podcast content because as I said I'm taking a kind of break this week um, for my brain but also because we gave our daughter, sorry, Agent, a chocolate Easter egg yesterday and now I don't have energy left to do anything else till at least June. Um, which is probably good timing, considering. But I thought I should put something out for all of you out there and I do hope you're doing okay. And if you're working on the front lines of this horror show, then so, so much love and respect to you for doing so. Um, if you're doing anything at the moment that has been made harder by this crisis, which is a stupid thing, so because everyone's lives have. But if there's anything... Um, that needs highlighting that isn't being please do drop me a line and i will read it out on the show or maybe give you a call and we can have a chat i'm going to try and get some shorter interviews in the next few weeks with um sort of associations and uh people that are doing certain jobs or working for certain charities that are being ignored so please do get in touch via all the usual channels um also i know this might not be necessary as news does indeed change and you know you know this is a comedy politics podcast but every now and then people tell me that they come to the show for the news so i feel i should give you a few apologies for misinformation i've given on this podcast uh due to lack of information available at the time and in fact i'm a stupid head um the first was the bit i did on coronavirus a few weeks back i did a sort of middle section i can't remember what episode it was on could look at it can't be bothered um but i stupidly said it wouldn't be as bad as it was going to be because i had no idea the government would handle it this awfully um so i am sorry for maybe being more reassuring than i should have been and i hope my lack of information at the time didn't contribute to you going around licking strangers when you shouldn't have or anything like that if you lick them because you should have that's fine maybe that's your job um also last week i said starmer's new cabinet was interesting and could be okay since then he's added more people to it and now i regret my entire bit sorry all uh, as you were 
So, uh, normal podcast service will resume next week with a you know normal length uh, episode and I'll have interviews and all that sort of stuff. Um, until then, do blah 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 blah. You know the jam. Uh, I was going to get my agent to record a plug this week, but post chocolate egg, she is too quick uh, to catch now for even thirty seconds. She's going. She's like the Flash. I think we've got about a week of that due to the sugar that was in it. Um, so you know, please review the show on Apple Podcasts, Castbox, or Stitcher, as that would be nice of you. Spread word about this noise to anyone who might like an extra time waster for the next few weeks and please please do donate to the ko-fi.com forward slash parpolbro or patreon.com forward slash parpolbro uh, because well I currently have no other income and it turns out I can't furlough myself as I'm a sole trader uh, even though I've never sold any shoes or fish in my life um, but yeah donations are gratefully received a big thank you this week to Claire, Richard, James, Somebody and Helen for your Kofi donations and to Data for joining the Patreon I'm not sure if that's one from Star Trek or not but I'm very chuffed either way that you did so Thank you. So, uh, to fill up this episode, I was going to put some stand-up on it, which I thought might cheer you up, and then I realised that I posted all my recent and decently recorded stand-up stuff uh, last summer. I haven't written a lot of new material since then that wasn't political, and you haven't already heard on this podcast in some form. I was going to start writing a new show, but hey, that seems pointless now. Um, see what I can do in the next few weeks. Um, but I should say, if you head to nextupcomedy.com forward slash tin and is great, I didn't put the URL like that. Like, that wasn't me, they did that. Um, if you subscribe via that, um, you can watch my last three now bit out of date stand up shows if you fancy, and also I get a bit of cash for you using my link which is very nice um if you can't afford to do that at mo but you'd like to join next up comedy do drop me a line as i've been given a code to give to a few people um so they can get three months free access to getting through the lockdown which is very lovely of next up to do that i can't give it to everyone um so let me know and i will send you uh, the code so instead uh what i've done for this show uh i have put um some audio clips of a twitch stream i did the other week that only a handful of people watched and uh i read out all the podcast descriptions of Michael Gove and Matt Hancock and I did a little bit of stand-up on it too so I've stolen the audio from that before it disappears online and hopefully that will be at least vaguely entertaining for you um, plus I've also uh, was digging through some recordings of stand-up and I found some really old stuff from 2011 Okay, it's not that old. Nine years old, nearly a decade old. I don't think it's aged very well, as it was mostly topical, not very well written. And it includes uh, words, at least one word, and some jokes I probably wouldn't feel okay doing now. Um, I think I've learnt since then. I mean, one of them I probably shouldn't have done in 2011. I definitely should have used that word. You'll hear it. Um, Look, if you aren't happy with it and it upsets you, please time travel and complain to Tiernan in 2011. I'm sure he'd understand and change it appropriately. Um, But hey, I just thought I'd put it on here for fun and uh, I hope you enjoy and this will be back properly next week, as I said, um, if we still use weeks by then. Uh, It might have to be classed as in back properly in four full binge watch series, 14 dog walks, 400 times pretending you'll sort out that cupboard but don't, uh, or in an infinite amount of child wrangling. Okay, so here's a few edited bits from my live Twitch stream that I did last week. Um, If you've watched it and you've already heard this, I'm very sorry. Um, But if not, uh, I will do another one of these at some point if I can think of anything to do for it. So do subscribe at twitch.tv forward slash tin and do yeah. But if you want to hear that, uh, even if I just do a QA and a or something, it's just nice talking to people and and sort of riffing and doing a bit of live stuff. Um, But for now, here are all my podcast descriptions of Michael Gove, Matt Hancock, and a little bit of stand-up occasionally interrupted by stories I was reminded of by the descriptions of the people i'm talking about um and there's also occasionally me talking to people who'd commented on twitch which won't make sense to you now uh and it also didn't to me at the time because i'm old and confused and don't really know how it works
But anyway, I hope you enjoy. So look, I thought I thought what I'd do. I thought what might be nice uh, for those of you that, that are watching, uh, if any of you are, I don't really know how to tell how many of you are. I don't understand how any of this works. I had to wind this up, um, add a little monkey, wind it up, and I've had to pull several levers. Um, at some point, it's going to run out of diesel and I will just disappear. Who knows? Um, I'm going to try. I'm going to try something though, and you can let me know on the side if this works. And um, what I do, I thought, I thought for tonight, I would read all the descriptions that I've done of Michael Gove on my podcast. Hello, John. Um, very polite. Uh, very polite uh, start to the evening, Mister Dooyeb. It is well done, John. It's good. It's nice, accurate, and polite. That's the sort of thing that I like, rather than a silent mark there being a weird clown and stalking me um but it's lovely to have you all here um so yeah what i thought i'd do is i've, I've got all the descriptions i've ever done of um michael gove over the years on my podcast and i thought i might try and do it uh, i might try and play uh my brother's playlist let's see if this works is that can you hear that does that sound good is it like listening to the podcast only with my face ruining it We'll see. We'll see if that comes through. Uh, if not, I'm going to enjoy it. So um, let's go. Michael Gove looks like a possessed ventriloquist dummy. Now, hey, look, that's quite an obvious one, isn't it? And you're going to say that's an obvious one. Everyone's done that. But I want you to know that I did that back in 2014. I'm like an originator of this. And when I first did Partly Political, I actually did it as a little video series on YouTube uh, with my friend Ben Hilton directing it. And we had to um, acquire a vent doll from somebody who specialised in um, collecting them. And we found one that looked particularly like Michael Gove. And then I did a really shit voice for him. And we filmed him sitting on a park bench being really evil about education stuff. So I like to think that I got in there really early on uh and therefore that's my that's my fucking claim all right same with the um it's april fools mr teagag back in 2011 same with um the uh you gotta have a a lime lime disease with your coronavirus uh there's a blog that proves i did that first i'm just throwing out some boasts throwing out some boasts that i got that joke in first and then got absolutely no credit for it and other people did it much better but i'm just saying it so uh, michael grove looks like a possessed ventriloquist dummy he looks like chucky's worst cousin uh which again sort of on the side quite unoriginal um he is a withered schoolboy. uh he is the king of the weasel men which actually is quite grand for him isn't it i assume weasel men i, I don't know if that's just if it's just male weasels that's quite a good title um he'd probably be it's probably quite a good title for him. I'd quite like to lead around a whole load of weasels. Um, if it's weasel men, bit shit. Um, he is a stunt double for Annabelle. Again, we've gone for the ventriloquist uh, thing. Um, he's what happens when grubs... Oh, no. He's what happens when grubs only half hatch. And that's, that's pretty grim. Uh, grubs are fucking horrible. Um, he's a living shrunken head, um, which... Uh, is quite accurate, but he's quite big for a living shrunken head. Um, he's Jigsaw's stunt double. Again, I went for the ventriloquist. I mean, what I didn't realise when putting these together is how unoriginal they are when you say them all in one large block. Um, Michael Gove is the winner of the most punchable face in politics. Is he still? It's quite hard, isn't it? Because Brandon Lewis's face is incredibly punchable. Marc Francois, massively, massively punchable. Boris Johnson, extreme. Boris Johnson, more sort of drop-kickable. Um... And, and Michael Goh's face already looks very heavily punched uh, in a lot of areas. So I don't know if that's, I don't know if it's the most punchable face anymore because you already feel like, well, that's been overpunched. What am I going to add to that? You know, uh, I, I, hey, back when I did that one, probably was the most punchable. Uh, Michael Gove looks like the leader of the Ant Hill mob. He fucking does. 
He really, he just without the hat, fucking does. Uh, he is a bee struck. He's a bee stung protruding colon. That's quite horrible. Uh, that image. I did actually look up protruding colon images uh, when researching that, and I will never forget those horrible, horrible sights. Um, Michael Gove is a balloon attached to a bin bag. Um, quite a good, vivid image, there, isn't it? But he's. I mean, I'd say the weird thing, the bin bag thing, is that um, I think I've said this on on the podcast quite a few times. But I did. I, w- I was quite near to Michael Gove once um, when my wife did the Cheltenham Book Festival as part of being in the Good Immigrant Book uh, with Nikesh Shukla um, and Rennie Edo Lodge. They were doing a, a talk there, and we were all sitting backstage. Right, I got to be the I got to go along and watch, and um, Michael Gove was also backstage with us, and we didn't know what to say to him, right, because his son was there, and as much as he's a massive prick, you can't be a dick to a kid. Like you can't just be nasty to someone's dad while they're there that's the kind of shit that causes them to become a vigilante in later life and i don't want his son to grow up becoming the kind of superhero that only goes around killing comedians um what did he call himself the joker no that's that's a shit name so, something like that and um anyway mike Gover's in there and we all sort of decide among ourselves that the only thing we really could do was just make a lot of loud retching noises we just sort of went uh, quite a lot um, I don't know if he even noticed, to be honest. Um, but what was uh, interesting, I mean, yeah, you see you see that retching noises. Save the fucking country, I did. Didn't have Brexit or any of that shit because of our retching noises. Like heroes, fucking heroes. Um, I, uh, yeah, he was weird in real life. He's got a really weird shaped body. Uh, and I say that as a man that's like a sort of uh, half Muppet creation. He's got a very weird shape, very bin bag like body with a balloon shaped head. So actually that description pretty uh, pretty spot on. Um Michael Gove is the only person whose image remains unchanged in a funfair hall of mirrors. Pow! Um he's a less friendly piranha. Uh, which is uh, that's weak, isn't it? He's a wattle face. Look up a wattle. Fucking is. Um I like this is one of my favourites. Michael Gove is an acid damaged Pez dispenser. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I love fucking Pez dispensers and I wouldn't normally diss them, but you pour acid on it, Michael Gove. Uh, Michael Gove is a flesh sponge. Uh, He's an entirely undeadly puffer fish. And this is, again, you see the unoriginality coming in when it's week after week. Uh, He is a blowtorch melted chupa chup. Not that different to a Pez dispenser. Obviously, you can't eat the whole Pez dispenser, but it's still some sort of confectionery that has been massively destroyed, which, again, is too much credit to him because that means at one point, he was likeable, uh, and he, he never has been. Um, Michael Gove is a face drawn on a bullhorn. Uh, he is a bee-stung nipple, another bee-stung thing, this time a nipple. I still think the protruding colon was better. Um, this is another one of my favourites. Michael Gove is a flesh cauliflower. Uh, he's a pummeled elbow. Um, he is what if Chucky from Rugrats was neglected as a child, um, which Chucky sort of was in the Rugrats. He's probably just Chucky. From the Rugrats, but in later life. Um, he is the puppet they take to school to warn kids about not speaking to strangers. Again, puppet, but a little bit more description. I think that works. Uh, Michael Gove uh, is... Uh, uh, see, this is rubbish. Michael, Larry the cat wouldn't stop hissing at him because animals can sense evil. Like, come on, that's fucking that's weak. Um, Michael Gove is the owner of a face made of giblets. Uh, he is a Billy Ham. He's a brutalised sea cucumber. He's a composite of a pomegranate, a melted sex toy and every cast member of Grange Hill. I spent a long time on that, probably longer than I should have done. But uh, a pomegranate, a melted sex toy and every cast member of Grange Hill. And I haven't even specified which sex toy, but I'll, I'll leave that to you. 
I think it works quite nicely. Um, he is a bloated sea monkey. Uh, Michael, oh God, what's that in the back of the fridge and how long has it been there? Gove, um, something that doesn't really relate anymore because I'm having to eat everything in my fridge in case I never get to buy or eat it ever again uh, while we're in the apocalypse. Um, so there you go. Now, that little bit of nostalgia to that one. What's in the back of the fridge? How long has it been there? That's like the good old days of three or four weeks ago when we would... Waste food. Uh, <laughs> uh, Michael Gove is an upside down fertilizer rodent. Fertilizer rodents are rats that have eaten a fuckload of fertilizer and gone really weird. Uh, they've just gone really fucking weird. And he's that, but upside down, which is like super brutal. Um, you're fucking weird, but then someone's turned you on your head. Still weird. Um, Michael Gove is skin stretched over a Darily Lunchables pack. I feel uncomfortable about that. I like Daryl Lunchables packs. Um, I suppose you'd have to have it the back, not the bit where there's the holes in. You'd have to have it on the other side where it's got the two weird bumps and that'd be like his face and then another. It, it almost works. Bit of a waste of Daryl if you ask me. Unless you've eaten Daryl first, then you've stretched someone's skin over it. Depends on your skin, I suppose. Maybe, maybe your own. Maybe that's how you eat lunch. Uh, Michael Gove is a walking plunger. Uh, he is a floor-dragged kebab. Uh, he is a Slivine tribute act. Little Doctor Who reference for the Doctor Who fans. Uh, I'm not anymore. Can't really uh, stop being a fan quite some time ago. Um, I'm very sad to say. Uh, because I'm horribly picky. Horribly picky about uh, dialogue and uh, boring things like that. It's not even because it's a woman. I like the fact that it's a woman. Um, I don't like the fact that now every Doctor has sounded like Matt Smith since Matt Smith. Um, I... God, this is the sort of shit that would just lose me followers because it's pointless. I've got really weird... Like, like, I dislike The Last Jedi for reasons other people, like, don't dislike. So, like, The Last Jedi, people go, oh, it's because there's women in it and non-white people. And I'm like, that was fucking great. What I don't like about it is that every single character in it was funny, which is terrible writing, right? There's very few films that can get away with that. To be fair, Thor Ragnarok did it very well. But every character being funny... That's shit, right? Previously, Star Wars, Han Solo was the funny one. Princess Leia was fucking sharp. Uh, Luke was a moody piece of shit. Uh, Chewbacca, classic gags. But you had a mix of characters and that allowed the comedy to really breathe because you had straight people to bounce it off. In The Last Jedi, every fucker's funny, right? Which I feel like that just reduces the comedy. And it's also got lines like the guy on the planet at the end where he like puts his finger in it and goes, mm, it's salt. And it's like, leave it to our imagination, you dick. You don't need that level of exposition. And this is why I'm no longer fun to hang out with or go to the cinema with because I ruin it for everyone. <laughs> it's all right. No one's going to the cinema for at least three years now. You are safe. Um, so uh, Michael Gove is an old dog's dinner for a face. Uh, he's an old walking discharge. Uh, he's an exploded durian fruit for a face. I've gone for another for a face thing. Durian fruit, um, if you haven't had it, is uh, it's like a, it's an incredible. It smells like it smells like rotting flesh. And I, I say that I've never really smelt rotting flesh, but I'm assuming that's what rotting flesh smells like. It's a proper like like makes you gag as soon as you smell it. And when I was in Hong Kong a couple of years ago, um, you'd walk along and you'd think, they're just dead people in like the alleys just rotting. This was before the protests and coronavirus, so then it was more of an unusual thing for that to be the case. Wow, that's dark, isn't it? Uh, this is what happens. And um, and so you'd smell this and go, I thought there's like something dying and uh, there wouldn't be anything dying. Um, it was just durian fruit and people eat it and some people really like it. Uh, and I thought, well, I'm going to have to try this at some point. And I got what was, I thought the safest bet was a durian, a durian fruit like donut, 
It was like a, a sort of rap thing, like, and uh, and I thought, well, at least that kind of like suppresses the durian fruit if I don't like it. And I, I had like three bites, and then that was all I could taste for about two days. It probably tasted like repeating bile in my mouth. Um, Howard Reed was with me, the very funny comedian Howard Reed, and he had one bite, and then that was all he could taste for for like a whole evening. It is probably the worst. It tastes like someone has set fire to a bin inside your mouth. Uh, and then shat on that bin to try and put the fire out. It's fucking horrible. So anyway, when I call Michael Gove and exploded durian fruit for a face, because when they get really ripe, they explode and then smell everywhere. And uh, that's what I think of him. Uh, Only two left. Uh, Oh, no, three left. Uh, Michael Gove is a meat bagpipe. Quite pleased with that. And uh, he's a congealed cuppa soup for a face. Um, Again, from experience, my old flatmate when I was at university, Matt, uh, he used to have such a horribly messy room that it always smelt slightly of old cabbage. It was pretty grim. Not durian fruit level, different levels of horrid. And um, at the end of our second year, when uh, when we were clearing out the flat because we had to, to move out, um, we found a mug in his room that I think had had a cup of soup in it for about six months. And I had to cut the top of the cup of soup out with a knife, with a really sharp knife. And when I did, it curled up like, like that. And... Um, one of the most horrible things uh, I've ever seen. Anyway, uh, so Michael Gove is a congealed cup of soup for a face. And uh, lastly, um, Michael Gove is an artist's interpretation of what COVID-19 would look like if it were an asshole. Um, there's quite a lot to go on in that, really. Not only is he uh, a germ and a bacteria, but also what if that bacteria was someone's bumhole? Um quite vivid i got quite vivid on that i really fucking hate michael gove i hope that comes through um i haven't seen that oh yeah uh silent mark doing his own ones looks like a ball sack stretched over the melted monster from stranger things a demagogue uh call it by its correct name mark demagogue that's what it is yeah not incorrect um and uh Vorza, reminds me when i went to florida and ate a white castle burger i don't know what's it what's in a white castle burger is it castles I mean, if so, that can't be very comfortable. Probably lots of stones, uh, bits of bricks, old dead nights. Uh, they wouldn't have those in the States. Definitely not in Florida. They don't have any history, do they? Their sort of most recent history is sort of 20 years ago when someone ate a lot of bath salts and then tried to bite off someone's face. Um, so it's unlikely to be real castles contained in that. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Right, so anyway, here's a bit of stand-up. And, and this is it was going to be part of a bigger thing. Uh, and it might still be and then you'll be like oh fuck I've seen that and then it'll ruin the whole thing and then you won't come and see me do any live gigs ever again not that I will uh, because uh, we'll never be allowed outside so um, I uh, moved flat earlier this year that's a lie already Uh, I moved flat about a year ago now so I moved flat but the road that I used to live on um, I used to think of as a microcosm of society. Uh, And if you don't know what a microcosm is, it's like a cosm, but really, really small. And uh, this road, right, I used to think of as a microcosm of society because it was too small for two cars to go down it at the same time, right? It had lines in the middle, but it was just goading people. It was just like, yeah, go on, fucking give it a go. But you couldn't do it. It was actually impossible, right? Because everybody double parked their cars. And this road wasn't built for double parked cars. Uh, This road was built hundreds of years ago when people used to have horses and they didn't used to double park their horses um, and they didn't used to bring in their fucking massive shire horses from the country and take up the entire fucking road. And they didn't used to vertically park their little Shetland ponies and cock up the entire system, right? So this road now is inadequate for what it needs to be, double parked cars, and therefore every single day and at least, well, at least three or four times a week, Two cars would meet in this road head on, right? They'd meet in this road head on and they'd refuse to back down. They'd always be shouting like, I'm in a rush, get out of my way. I'm in a rush, get out of my way. And they'd always be in a rush, but not enough of a rush to just fucking reverse, get out of the way, let the other person go and then them get on with their lives, right? They'd always be in enough of a rush to fucking sit there for hours and hours and hours and beat their horn and swear a lot and sometimes get out the car and threaten physical violence and other cars would pile up behind and there'd always be a kid or a dog in the back that looked like they wanted to die, right? And and this would happen three or four times a week. And I, I used to, like, look at them out the window and sometimes I'd tweet pictures because it was funny. And I just wanted to know, like, why are you doing this? Like, what what is the point in, in doing this? This is wasting away your life. Something that right now I'd be very jealous of, uh, let's be fair. But at the time, it's like, this is pointless. But you could see it in their eyes. You could see it in their eyes that all they fucking wanted to do was win something. They just wanted to win something. They were like, I I just, when I die, I just want to fucking beat this cunt at one thing. I just, like, I I don't, you know, I've been all day at my shitty job. I'm about to go home to my shitty life. I'm going to watch shitty TV full of shitty celebrities that are only celebrities because they were shitty on some other shitty TV show. I just want to know that when I fucking die, this piece of shit lost, right? I beat this fucking arsehole. And you could see this rage. And and I would sort of imagine like going down to them and like, I don't know, just sort of tapping on the window and saying, hey, just forget all this, right? Just forget, forget all this. Just turn your engines off. You're idling them. You're causing more pollution. You're killing yourselves and other people. Just this is pointless. Turn your engines off. Come out of the car. Take off your clothes, embrace the other person, hold their hand, walk into the fields, listen to the bird song, feel the sun on your face. This bit of stand up's almost goading now, isn't it, in today's world? But feel the sun on your face and just feel what it's like to be alive. Feel what it's like to be human for just a second and how beautiful being able to 
be on this planet and, and, and be alive is. And that's what I always wanted to say to them. I, I, di- I didn't do that. I used to go down with a squidgy knock on their window and ask for a quid and they'd fuck off in seconds. Matt Hancock is a man so nondescript his driving licence probably has no picture and he's just a caption saying just imagine dreariness in a shirt. Matt Hancock is politics version of Tim Lovejoy. He's a Bass Street kid. What happens if you aim a hairdryer at a chipmunk? Matt Hancock is a man who always looks like he's really about to tell you a very boring story about the day he wore odd socks. He's a stupid apple, a bewildered gopher. He's a life vessel for teeth. He's that drama teacher who tries to invite himself on students' nights out. Um... Actually, uh, just weird, um, weird point to that one. The um, the drama teacher who tries to invite himself to students like that is based on my old drama teacher, Mr. Reynolds, who's probably not watching. Uh, but if he is, you're a fucking creep. Uh, really weird that you invited yourself to the sixth form leaving do and then snogged one of the students. Um, there you go. The 90s, people. The 90s. Uh, right. Let's crack on. Uh, Matt Hancock is a face drawn on an apple. Another apple one. I was quite lazy. He's an enthusiastic children's dog puppet. He's a Beano character. He's a champion five head. He's Mr. Ratburn's partner in Arthur. That's very specific. He's a gormless bollard. He's a personification of pulling your trousers up too highly. He's what if the Sonic movie designers drew Olaf from Frozen. He's what if Olaf from the Frozen films was even more unlikable. Because he's fucking unlikable. He's a piece of shit. He's Jimmy Neutron's thick twin. He's an elbow patch. He's a stupid grape. Matt Hancock is a man who I'm certain still has his name written on tags on his underwear. Otherwise, he'll try and put a dishcloth on a pretzel or something. Uh, He's a matey shampoo mascot. Matt Hancock is Woody from Toy Story. But, you know, shit. Uh, Somebody told me the other day that he doesn't look anything like Woody from Toy Story. But I'm like, yeah, but he does if Woody from Toy Story was shit. That's the that's the point. There is there's a cartoon character Matt Hancock looks unbelievably like, but I cannot figure it out for the life of me. And here's some very old stand-up. Uh, I can't remember what gig this is from, where it was uh, performed in the country, but it was at some point in 2011 after austerity measures were first announced. I think. I think maybe it was later measures. I don't know. Um, If you were there and you have a better memory than me, please do let me know. Um, I think there's a couple of gags in this that still work, and I do use at least one word I definitely wouldn't use now, as I've warned you about, so sorry about that. Maybe mentally bleep it. That might be a good idea. So, for nostalgic anger, um, weird sort of escapism from the past, uh, enjoy some very, very old and not great jokes about Cameron Osborne and when things were shit, but not quite as shit just yet. Oh, no, I want, I want to talk to you about the cut. Uh, comedy. Cut. Comedy. Um, is, it, is it affected anyone in here? Comedy. Good. No, nobody has a clue. Don't know what you're talking about, weirdos. Um, no, I got, I got particularly upset by, the, by, the, by the, everything that happened last Wednesday. Somebody said to me, this is the worst episode of the Osbournes ever, um, while I was watching it. Um, <laughs> And it was, it, it was fucking, it just made me very angry as a citizen of the UK. I mean, and, and we should have been prepped for it. I know we should have been prepped for it because for months now we've had Cameron say phrases like, we've got to prepare for some really painful cuts. But I thought they were just appealing to the emo kids. Um, yeah. But all the language he's used has been sinister, all of it. You know, things like saying, your country needs you. The last person that said that was Lord Kitchener in 1914, before World War I, and there were millions of casualties then too. It's very sinister. 
What I was going to say, no, I just, I just got, very, I got very upset watching the cuts. Thing. I, I find Osborne such a repulsive human being just to even look at before you've even heard him. There were several times I was watching him expecting a fly to go past and he was going, mm, you know, and eat it. I, it, just, it just thoroughly upset me. But everything they said, just it, it, none of it bodes well. None of it bodes well at all. Even the little bits where it seemed like they're going to put something back into his country, actually, if you looked at it, were not good at all. The bits where they said we're going to put loads of money into education, into sort of early school education. We think, oh, brilliant, well, we need money there. But then if you think about it, right, if you think about it, what that means is loads of kids are going to be very well educated at a young age. But they'll grow up, they'll try to go to university, but they won't be able to afford to. Then they won't be able to get any jobs after that. So then they'll have nothing to do because the BBC licence fee is frozen and uh, the UK Film Council has gone and the Arts Council has been cut. So they're going to be very bored, but very, very intelligent. So then they're going to start roaming the streets, creating crimes and doing other things to keep them intelligent, you know, to keep them sort of going. Uh, but the Ministry of Justice has been cut, so prisons and sentencing will go down. And the police force, of course, has been massively cut back. So all all I'm saying is I'm going to buy a gun because I've seen Mad Max, all right? It's fucking terrifying. It's hugely terrifying. All the things, the tiny percentage increase to the NHS, brilliant, except that when VAT goes in and everything, that'll just about counter the already active costs. And instead, GPs are taking over the NHS, which means if you turn up in A&E with a broken leg, somebody will look through a book and go, antibiotics? It'll be fucking horrible. It's grim. And the pensions age is getting older and older and older until the point where people will die before they even get it, which I suppose on the plus side means the DWP will make their savings a lot easier. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I just found it, I found it really depressing, and I found it even more depressing knowing that most of the debt that we're having to pay off was to bail out the bankers. You know, it's for things like Vodafone. I don't know if you know about this, but Vodafone's debt, uh, Vodafone's sort of tax that they've managed to avoid, if they paid it off, that would cover the exact same amount of, uh, that's being cut off the disability benefit. Of all the people you think would want to make the immobile mobile, it would be Vodafone. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. So, it's, somebody said, I went, on, I went on a demonstration last Wednesday, and somebody said, uh, one of the speakers was saying that it's, um, it's like we're being told that we've got a credit card bill that we need to pay off. That's what we're being told. Except actually, in reality, as they said, it's more like somebody has fraudulently used our credit card, and yet we're still having to pay off the bill. Now, they were absolutely right. And I think what bothers me most about it is the fact that I've had my card frauded once, right? And um, it was one of, those, one of those irritating things right from the start. Because I didn't know it happened until the bank called me. And the bank said, um, did you use this in the Starbucks down the road? And I was like, yes. And 10 minutes later, did you use it in the cash machine down the road from you? Yes. And in between that, did you fly to the Philippines and draw out 200 pounds? Work it out for your fucking self. <laughs> If I did, surely there are much bigger issues here than someone stealing my credit card. Like the fact I've invented time travel. And it, yeah, but it's, it's more the fact when I found out my credit card had been frauded, right? It had been frauded and used for car parts. And that really upset me because I was like, you've got my card. You could have used it for awesome crack whores, weapons. I wanted to be part of some sort of bigger, incredible villainous scheme. But no, car parts. Admittedly, it does say how little there was on my credit card at the time. But, <laughs> and, and when I saw this, if this is like credit card fraud, then it's upsetting that they have credit card frauded to give the bankers back all the money that they fucking misused in the first place. If they'd said to us, we're in £964 billion of debt, but we've bought a big fucking laser, I'd be like, shit, yeah, it's all fine. <laughs> Just, the other thing that upsets me is at the moment, sort of watching what the opposition are doing, uh, they're doing like nothing. They're fucking doing nothing. In the sort of, uh, the, 
when they sort of said to Ed Miliband, when they're sort of saying, what are you going to do? What are your propositions for getting rid of the debt? Are you going to introduce the Tobin tax where there's 0.05% done on every sort of pound sterling transaction worldwide? Are you going to penalise the bankers? Are you going to question any of the 18 multi-millionaires in the Tory cabinet just to fucking put their own money in it and clear it like that? And, uh, and Ed Miliband kind of went, oh, I don't really know what we're doing. I don't know. I'm sort of doing some stuff. What's that? What's that, Ed Miliband? I'm sort of, we're going to sort of, well, you know the big minus. We'll put a, a line through it so it becomes a plus when no one's looking. Is that? We haven't got anything. Is it, and, they, and they haven't, they've really... It upset me when Ed Miliband got in a few weeks ago. And because at first I thought, oh, this is interesting. We've got a new leader of the opposition. Maybe we've got someone to counteract those coalition fucking wankers, right? To counteract the evil bastards that are doing this thing. And then Ed Miliband used a phrase that really upset me. He said, the Labour Party will not be lurching to the left under his control. Yeah, and that upset me. That upset me for two main reasons, right? It upset me firstly because I thought, you know, why the fuck wouldn't they be lurching to the left? We need to oppose the right wing. Ed Miliband was brought up as a Marxist. He was an intern to Tony Benn, right? What is, why is he so ashamed of being left wing? It's, we're not in the McCarthy era. You shouldn't have to run away because you believe in helping the people. They're called the Labour Party, not because they're pro-pregnancy. It's because they want to help the workers. There's no fucking reason for it. I mean, even if you look at sort of the word logistics, maybe it's because you hear the word left and you think, oh, well, left outside, left all alone. You know, you hear right and you think, well, all right. But then if you really think about it, you think left, left field, they were a great band in the 90s, and The Right Show, that is the worst programme on Channel 5. <laughs> you know? And, and if he's not going to be left wing, but the coalition are being massively right wing, then where does that put him? Middle wing? That's a mutated spazzy bird. I, <laughs> so it fucking upset me. He should be left wing. He should be protecting us. And the second reason it upset me when he said Labour Party would not be lurching the left is because that ruined my dreams of the Labour Party ever doing a synchronised thriller dance. <laughs> I am... Um, one, one last thing I want to say to you before... It's, I just, I got upset with sort of what, what we're doing about as people, right? And I don't want to get all on my high Shetland pony. I'm only small. I am... Um, I just... You know, there was a poll in London the, like a couple of days ago where they said, what's upsetting you about the cuts? And apparently, according to 1,004 Londoners, yeah, those four are pretty important, 1,004 Londoners, oh, we're fine about public sector cuts, we're fine about welfare cuts, but I can't believe the rail fares are increasing. Yeah, where are you going to commute to when you're unemployed, dickhead? <laughs> I just want to roam around all day on a reasonable train fare. Fucking, you know, you see the French, the French are being so awesome, right? Their age of pension is going up to 62. That's already going to be four years less than what ours will go up to. And they're causing havoc, right? I was so upset the other day when it said the soldiers are using tear gas on the protesters. I thought they're sad enough already. And... <laughs> But you know, what are we doing? What are we doing? We, we protest about Wayne Rooney not going anywhere. That's what people are protesting about this week. Today, I saw two protest parades for the Bieber parade, right? That's what people are getting and shouting about. Ironically, the one thing that should be cut across the face. I... I just fucking... <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.